I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. I'm Carl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. A uh, bit of everything today. A uh, bit of uh, boxing, a bit of MMA and a little bit of kickboxing as we go to... <laughs> 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 news. Indeed, it's news uh, because it appears that, based on his own Instagram post, that Takaru is going to continue fighting. Which, if you told me that last week, because I'm recording this uh, on the week anniversary of the match, wow, time flies fast. Still feels amazing, doesn't it? Um, what an amazing event. Takaru is apparently going to continue um, from LJ, 4th Avenue, uh, 520 on Twitter, the fighter.net, the dash hyphen fighter.net. I tell you all the time, all the time, check this site out and follow this account. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, but this statement is as such. These last 10 years, I thought the value of my existence lied in continuing to win, and I'd lose everything if I lost. I was scared every day, and I couldn't sleep just imagining the aftermath of my loss. I was prepared for, for many fans and the people around me to leave once I lost. But when I got out of the ring and tried to leave the stage, so many people came around to me, the loser, telling me, thank you. I was not expecting to receive such words, and the tears would not stop. Even now, just remembering the voices and scenes at the time, my tears cannot, cannot stop. I could not be rewarded by winning, but to have so many people come and see the fight, so many people to have cried together with me, and people who said, you've given me hope to live. I felt like I was rewarded for these 10 years I spent grinding away my life till my heart and body were battered. I am grateful from the bottom of my heart to all those who have been part of me for showing me this kind of scenery at a full Tokyo Dome. So it seems that Takaru has built up losing for so long that you couldn't imagine how bad it would have been. And actually, due to the outpouring of support, he's it's not quite as bad as he thought it was going to be. Um, it seems that the event at the Tokyo Dome is convincing that there is a future in kickboxing. Maybe he's watched it back and thought, do you know what? I finished pretty strongly. I quitted myself quite well. I can continue on. Um, I, I hope that Tension watches it back. I hope Tension can remember how he felt walking down to the ring because to me it seemed to me that tension finally got out of kickboxing what he wanted all these years an event sort of uh, matching his talent um, so which he's going over to boxing 
to um to try and get and hopefully he'll think do you know what actually there is money in kickboxing and there is uh, love for this sport as much as I love it and like Takaru we can continue on because I know we'd all love to see a rematch especially over five rounds it'd be fantastic but um yeah um if you told me last week uh, or even before the fight that Takaru was going to lose he was going to be dropped and yet he was going to continue fighting I would have told you you were crazy that he didn't know Takaru didn't know how much this meant to him but it seems he's done a bit of a u-turn who knows if it'll definitely be true but um the fight which uh myself and other kickboxing fans have been clamouring for in K1 is uh, uh, Takaru versus uh, Hirotaka Asahisa I think Takaru will win that personally but that seems to be the next big challenge for him um, but yeah I, I think Takaru will win that one based on uh, Asahisa's uh, sort of penchant for taking left hooks um, he's, he's, he's pretty open to him and Takaru's a master at him um, other thoughts on the match quickly have, have I had any other thoughts since last week uh, not really um, I think Tenshi did actually win all three rounds uh, Takaru came close in the third round and I think you know was piling it on finding a, a, a better avenue for working his right hand in uh, shifting into it and then therefore shifting tension over to his own uh, right and towards Takaru's left hand but uh, Tenshi was uh, desperately uh, slipping those shots getting underneath them and, and I think um, he, he had the measure of Takaru I think maybe a couple more rounds Takaru might have caught him but then he was spunking his load he might have been really tired himself so um, you know maybe five rounds wouldn't have necessarily benefited him uh, I spoke last week how we would have benefited from five rounds in the uh, Ismagulov versus uh, Kutataladze fight and we definitely benefited from five rounds in this week's UFC event the Tush Gamrot versus Armand Sarukian. Um I'm with the Twitter faithful that I think this fight is somewhat of a robbery. Um, it's a really interesting fight to watch play out over five rounds. It's Gamrot, who I really like, by the way, and have done since the Norman Park days. Um, but, you know, um, it's interesting to see how he adapted and, and how he worked his way back into the fight because the first two rounds were somewhat of a wash. Uh, Sarukian just... Way too quick on the on the trigger with the kicks, really powerful kicks, and um, generally sort of a nice scrambly fight where neither man was really getting the better of the grappling until a little bit later on in the fight. Well, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, I think that Sarukin won the fight. It's really interesting from an optics standpoint because um, Gamrot adapted as the fight went on, uh, worked his right hand in a, a better as the fight went on. Pretty basic stuff, just sort of timing the straight right. Um, and and a sort of cross counter, um, and it did it well. Uh, but based on the actual scoring criteria, I think Sarukin clearly won the fight. Uh, probably won four rounds, um, in my opinion. Didn't really score it. Um, is it a candidate for right or robbery? No, I think it's pretty clear that Sarukin deserved to win that fight. Interesting from an optics standpoint because going into the fifth round, Gamrot's not even sitting down and looks relatively fresh. Uh, Sarukin looks absolutely dishevelled, um, tired, marked up. Yet, that doesn't really matter in terms of scoring because in the fifth round, he, he put forth an effort and still landed really big, uh, clean, powerful shots. So, um, yeah, I'm sure people, people love the... Uh, you're telling me this guy won the fight? And show me a comparison of both fighters' faces at the end. But in terms of what actually was happening in the rounds, uh, Sarukin, for me, yeah, I clearly got the better of it. Um, and even with some of the positional grappling stuff, he was scrambly, um Gamrot really wasn't able to do too much, wasn't really able to threaten him, wasn't really able to do too much damage on there. 
uh, when they got to the mat. Really liked the adaptation from Gamrot. Uh, and, you know, speaking of adaptation, by the way, a quick note. Sorokin was trying to take, he, he got high on a single and uh, tried to take uh, Gamrot down. And Gamrot used the patented uh, Baz Rutan defence of when someone grabs your leg, punch them in the face, which I, li- I love to see. Um, I love to see anything. Uh, from those famous self-defense videos making their way into actual fighting. Um, of course, not created by Baz Rutan, but still gave me a smile. Um, yeah, Sarukin, younger, uh, you know, less experienced. Uh, for me, won that fight hands down. Both guys performed admirably enough that I'm happy for them both to sort of just continue to fight in a step up in opposition. Uh, but aren't we blessed? Two weeks in a row, 155 pound. I hate to use the word prospects, but essentially they are because all these fighters are on the sort of peripheral of the top 10, top 15. Uh, it's Magulov, Kutaladze, uh, Sarukian, and uh, and Gamrot. It's just can we just have all of these guys just keep fighting each other in five rounders? Um, the whole, you know, obviously Islam Makachev's beaten Sarukian, but um. It's not just him. He's not just a guy who's making a surge now at 155. We're, we're potentially looking at a golden era of 155 pounds here, which is um, insane considering we've already had at least one. Um, but yeah, the guy's coming up and it isn't just uh, uh, sort of uh, limited to the five that I just mentioned. Um, the guy's coming up. I think there's some fantastic uh, fights and fighters uh, some fantastic fights to be made, and uh, at the top is a young veteran who's had uh, as many wars as these guys have had total fights. It seems, and uh, yeah, I think Charles Oliveira has not only had a very rough run to the title, but he's going to have a very rough um, championship reign. And uh, if he passes a couple more of these tests, well, to deny him the position as the uh, division's goat will be uh, very difficult indeed. One division which was also... Uh, actually, no, 155 has never been short on the ground of prospects, but 170 has been. And finally, we're getting some really, really interesting prospects. Comes at Chimaev, uh, Jack Della Maddalena, and now Shafkat Rachmanov. Uh, Shafkat is a brilliant, brilliant fighter. I really, really enjoy watching him fight and absolutely encapsulated in this fight with Neil Magny. Everything he did was designed to cause as much violence as possible. I mean, even in the transitional grappling, you know, he doesn't just sort of half guard to mount. It's knee on belly. If he can't work his way into a sort of uh, submission uh, submission attempt, he will punch the shit out of you. He's constantly working, constantly trying to hurt you. On the feet, um, mainly flashy rather than functional but you know I like his use of spinning attacks and you know does have nice kicks still work in progress in that regard um, in my opinion even though he's won plenty of fights uh, in that sort of uh, in that sort of realm but look completely undefeated with, with all finishes and a couple of decent sort of gatekeeper types now I mean Magni you know never been anything particularly special but he will put a run together here and there and as gatekeepers go just Absolutely perfect for a prospect like Rachmanov to be taking on at this stage. So, yeah, for me, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, absolutely worth watching from this card. Um, second time we've covered him on the podcast, so he's uh, 
considering the podcast I've been going since what, was late December, early January, uh, well, no, early January, I think. Um, absolutely fantastic to see a, a prospect who's relatively uh, active as well. So I think we're all working our way towards a Rachmanov versus um, uh, Kamzat Chimaev super fight about 18 months down the line. And uh, yeah, be just about as high level as that gets, in my opinion, especially for, for 170. Another fight I mentioned before, Umana Magmadov. Uh, one looked pretty good, but um, you know, if you want a card by card, fight by fight breakdown, this is not the podcast for it. A Chris Curtis one as well looked good as well. Um, you know, you can you can find that elsewhere, but I need to pick out certain highlights from cards, as you know. And what a highlight Josh Parisian versus Alan Bordeaux was. My fucking word, heavyweights are generally bad. Um, this was bad and fun. Uh, there was a time where Bordeaux was throwing the right hand and Bispin said it was a really strange to throw a standing hammer fist we, we all know it's not a standing hammer fist someone doesn't know how to throw a right hand that's someone who hasn't got any half decent punch mechanics whatsoever we've seen it before when fighters get tired they kind of spam that right hand they kind of throw it downwards it's just like an arm punch awful but that's all he was throwing Parisian um, by the way Parisian very much like your typical white heavyweight um just a fella, physically. Um, but, my God, dropped, was sort of cuffing shot in the first, worked his way back, um, sort of stacked uh, Bordeaux against the cage, was sort of really ineffective uh, punching, begging the referee to stop it, because I think um, he was either extremely tired, extremely desperate, or just, you know, very much looking forward to getting back and eating more cake. Um, look, both these guys would crush me in half a second flat. There could be no doubt. But as a sporting fan, uh, just, just hilarious mess of uh, sort of Bellator level heavyweight matchmaking. Um, just awful. Speaking of Bellator, not going to cover it, but Musasi lost badly. So um, yeah, maybe I'll do a maybe I'll do a patron pod at some point. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, not particularly interested other than the fact that yeah. Don't have times you got to say, but you know, being the best middleweight in Bellator doesn't mean you're one of the best middleweights in the world. And I've loved Moose for you know well over a decade. What we're we talking, 12, 13 years, thirteen years maybe, maybe fourteen years, a bit longer. I'm old. Let's say fifteen years now. It's probably like two sort of two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I've been a fan um, of Musashi, but people need to calm the fuck down. Um, you know, it, I always miss sort of um, certain. Uh, highlights from these UFC cards like last week I did the Patreon podcast didn't mention mention uh, Adrian Yanez battering uh, the, the racist uh, is he racist actually? I think that might be libelous I rescind racist let's just say I was mixed up stupid uh, the stupid Tony Kelly so um, yeah I missed that last week because it just seemed relatively routine to me as much as I like Yanez you know wake me up when he fights someone good um, but you know Definitely some highlights in the last couple of weeks' cards. Definitely some things worth watching. And, um, yeah, that's it for the MMA roundup. We're going to move over to boxing because uh, as much as I sort of knew this was going to happen, we seem to have a very, very special and precocious talent in the sport of fisticuffs. But until then, this is your reminder, and I just alluded to it a minute ago, that there is patron content. There is a paid element to this podcast. If you wish to support it further, head on over to www.patreon.com slash combatchronicles. Thanks to everyone for their support. If it's sharing a tweet, 
given a five-star review or rating on podcast platforms, anything to help make this more visible. Because the more visible it is, the more chance we've got of people signing up to the Patreon, more chance we've got of keeping this podcast going and bringing lots of weird and wonderful content to you, the listeners. So, thanks. It is appreciated. What's not appreciated is one of my favourite super flyweights of all time, getting old and getting the shit kicked out of him. And that's what happened this weekend. But first, a little bit of context. Uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, 22 years old, somewhat of a phenom. Or obviously, at the lower weight classes, we often get a lot of young fighters uh, making moves. But um, for a bit of context, a couple of years back, I did a article about the state of the 108-pound division. And Rodriguez was one of the fighters on it, which was sort of, is this too much too soon for this guy to step up and potentially be a factor in the division? Um didn't really do much subsequent to that article, um, remained unbeaten uh, and stepped in at very uh, short notice, I think, to fight Carlos Cuadras, stepping in to replace the man that he fought last night, Strisket Sorungazai. And what, what Rodriguez has done, basically, is he's hopped two weight classes, so we've got uh, £108, in between that is £112, which is flyweight, and £115, which is super flyweight. At late notice, to pick up a scalp and a vacant WBC title against a name veteran, and and done very very well with it. Um, and the strange thing is that Rodriguez, despite jumping two weight classes, looks pretty big, 115 pounds, um, which means you know he's young, so he could have cut uh, a shocking amount of weight probably to make 108 pounds, but he's still really really comfortable at 115 pounds. And then he's fought Strisket Sorungaza himself, who's another former champion now. He looked big against uh, Srisket Sorungvasai, who is famously humongous at 115 pounds himself. So I do wonder whether Rodriguez now is settled at 115 and it's just, you know, it's just built into the weight class and is never going to be able to make 108 pounds again. Um, bit of background on Srisket Sorungvasai. A couple of years back for the uninitiated, um, basically a meteoric rise. Um, he actually had the WBC. Uh, title and lost to Carlos Quadras in a contentious uh, sort of technical decision. I think a head clash uh, stopped that one. That was back in 2014. Uh, being Thai, fought basically every, every other month. Um, went on a really long undefeated run and eventually worked his way back into a title shot against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez um, in 2017. What was their first fight, which is probably, in my opinion, uh, the second best fight of the decade um, behind only uh, Pacquiao Marquez 4 um, and then in the rematch uh, which I stayed up for um, absolutely annihilated Gonzalez smashed into pieces and then won a really uh, in my opinion clear but close but clear win over uh, Juan Francisco Estrada to defend the title and basically enshrined himself in, in, in the pantheon of great Super flyweights. What's weird about um, uh, Srisket's wrong side is that he smashed a, a Korean young Gil Bay. I think was a factor at the lightweight classes. Wasn't up to much. Just a, just a you know a non-title fight. And then for a guy called Iran Diaz, who was, who was bigger than him. Uh, I think on a, on a one championship card, funnily enough. And he looked awful in this fight. Really, really awful. Um, got dropped. I think three or four times. None of which were counted. Um, he won the fight. And, you know, for the times that he wasn't getting clobbered around, he won the fight well, but he looked awful. Lots of talk about his personal life problems, uh, dumped by a girlfriend, basically ruined his life. 
bounces back, couple of wins, a handful of wins, uh, a couple of fighters that are somewhat relevant but well past their best um, and naturally smaller. Now he gets his fight with Rodriguez. Now, I'm telling you all this because I felt that Triskets all right. Actually, I missed out something. He actually, in between the Iran Diaz fight, he fought Juan Francisco Estrada again, put on a mind boggling, mind bogging, boggling. What's the word, guys? Let's just say confusing. Confusing performance, um, where he started off the first four rounds in Orthodox when he's a southpaw fire. Um, and basically gave away those rounds, fought his way back into the fight late, but it was too little too late. And uh, uh, Juan Francisco Estrada won the title, which he now uh, continues to hold, as you know, uh, if, if you don't know, but now you know. He uh, he also uh, has fought Roman Gonzalez twice. Um and successfully defended his title against him last year uh, in uh, controver- controversial fashion. Because I think a lot of people believe that Roman Gonzalez should have that that title, but um, he does not. So, uh, yeah, Stress gets all wrong. Mixed bag, a couple of dodgy performances, but generally winning all the time. Um, at, what is he, 32? Something like that. Uh, oh, just looked. 35. He is ancient for the Super Flyweight division. And I'm giving you all this context because I really want to contextualise what Bam Rodriguez done last night in dissecting SSR in very, very impressive fashion. Um, for me, Rodriguez looks primed to beat everyone in this division because he is at the he has the right blend of age, speed, skill to beat out a division to beat a division as aging out. And I believe that Chocolatito, Estrada and Strisquets all wrong with side. The first two, uh, in less drastic fashion than, than the latter, are aging out or are going to age out fast. What Rodriguez did last night, in constantly moving, pivoting, spinning off of Strisquets all wrong with side, causing, uh, forcing the older man to cover distance, was, was masterful and perfect to beat a fighter like this. Now, for me, even though I've tried to contextualise the fact that I think that stress gets the wrong of his eyes is long on the tooth, he still did a lot of things that um, that he's known for and that I think he does well. Um, he is able to... He's never been defensively great, but he's always a great timing. He's a little shifty and slidey fighter. He'll just slide out of range and catch you with counter-punches. He's the kind of guy who'll use throwaways to cover distance and land punches on uh, more skilled and faster fighters. He deceptively uh, good, as I say, timing with counter shots. And in combination, he's a pretty ferocious fighter. He will force you into mistakes and move you around with powerful hooks and uppercuts. And a really forceful ramrod jab. So, he still did all of these things. Rodriguez did some lovely work. Things that, for the uninitiated, uh, will also see in the fight with Carlos Quadras. Um lovely framing with the lead hand and then stepping around getting over the inside or outside angle really good at using the lead hand then pivoting off to his own left and cracking you with a with a left uh, cross or uppercut and then he'll change it up he'll, he'll, he'll either pop you the jab or frame with the lead hand and then in this fight which is uh which is close stance self or versus self or he then step over and then clap, catch you with it with his own lead so doubling up on the lead hand really really nice work he's a very fast combination puncher 
Uh, defensively, uh, mainly movement based and sort of keeps his hands high. Um, but good, good, good counter puncher. He will slip and, and fire back. So th th that's the only thing where I wouldn't say he's he's, he's prodigious is uh, defensively. Um, Rangelzai did manage to catch him, uh, but also he's an aggressive counter puncher, so he does invite uh, offense, uh, so he can sort of uh, make you miss and, and then clobber you back. Really, really nice uh, use of the of the check hook, uh, as 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 I said earlier, causing SSR to cover ground. Uh, force him into mistakes, step back, catch him with the lead hand, and basically built to a crescendo of uh, of incredible combination punching. We finally got the stoppage. Um, essentially, why this is significant is, yes, I think that Bam Rodriguez is the coming man. He's got the WBC title, a vacant one. He's not the champion, um, in my opinion, not by by any means. Not not the legit champion of the division. He's probably what fourth in the division. Got Juan Francisco Estrada and Roman Gonzalez. Obviously, they're the two main guys. Then Ioka um, would be third, and then probably Rodriguez. Um, all guys that are in their thirties. Um, all guys that are just waiting for someone younger, fresher, faster to come and beat the shit out of them, and I think this is it. I think this is this is the guy. I really do. I think we've, we're we're on the cusp here of seeing a potentially transcendent star. Uh, the fact that um, Rodriguez is young, uh, it looks good. He's American, so he speaks English. It's exactly what we need when we're looking for guys who can potentially cross over. From the lower weight classes, because it is hard for the uh, for really tiny guys to to get the exposure and crossover stardom uh, to make it big. And I think that Jesse Rodriguez is in a great position. I think we're going to eventually see the Gonzalez Estrada rubber match, and Rodriguez will basically just rack up defenses and wait for the big fight. We know that all these guys have got bottle. None of them are going to duck him, and I think he's going to get the fights needed to uh, to be great, especially in in, in what is. Uh, traditionally a fantastically stacked weight class so yes if you haven't seen it already be sure to check out uh, Bam Rodriguez versus Trisquet Sorungvisai which was in my opinion the most notable bout that happened in boxing this weekend then on the same card um, excellent fighter uh, Mirajon Akhmadaliev who I spoke about on the podcast previously uh, has two bouts at 122 pounds uh, beat Ronnie Rios who I'm not particularly high on if you haven't seen uh, Akhmadaliev who the commentators seem to very, um, for their own benefit, have coined uh, the, the nickname MJ because who wants to say Murajon Akhmadaliev uh, or Akhmadaliev all the time. Um, he's not much like Michael Jackson, to be honest with you, uh, or Michael Jordan for that uh, matter. Um, Uzbek fighter, uh, quality was a quality quality amateur. Um, I think he won, I think he medaled at the Worlds. Um, I think silver or gold. Let me let me check. I'll be back. Two seconds. Let me check. I'm not going to get this wrong. So yeah, I was right. Silver at the Worlds and uh, uh, bronze at the Olympics. Um, Uzbek, uh, Southpaw fighter, undefeated now, 11 and 0, eight knockouts, two titles um, at Super Bantam, uh, the uh, WBA and IBF, which I think he both got. Yeah, he did. He got both of them when he beat uh, Daniel Roman a couple of years back, which is a quality fight. Um, Heavy-handed fighter, um, really cultured uh, lead hand, 
he's, a, he's, a, he's an odd fighter, actually, Akhmedaliev, because he's got his amateur boxing pedigree, um, really cultured jab, uh, nice moving around the ring, you know, really good at establishing range and keeping it where he wants it. But generally, he's like a slugger type, pressure fighter, lots of looping overhand shots from both uh, hands, brutal uppercut. Um, basically, if you watch him, he'll be your new favourite fighter. Um, absolute quality fighter, still in his prime, 27 years old, um, and basically dominated and, and battered Rios. Um, what, if you watch just one round, watch the last round. Uh, crushing uh, slip counter left uh, sort of shovel hook to the body that you would have heard in, in, in the cheap seats. Um, and, yeah, just piles it on. A fight with Stephen Fulton is basically one of the best fights that can be made in boxing, not just to shore up the super bantamweight scene, but create a true white whale for now you anyway to chase um, when he eventually moves up from bantam after um, he's obviously going to execute uh, Paul Butler and, and annex the WBO title to, to the other ones that he has. Um, yeah, Akhmedaliev, the, the other you know sort of most important about this weekend and uh, yeah if you catch up with those two fights from the zone you won't go too wrong with the boxing so this week's podcast bit of a mixed bag next week we'll all be completely dedicated so what is it UFC 276 uh, there will be nothing else on that episode not going to do no news not going to do any other boxing anything we're talking completely about UFC 276 next week Adesanya versus Cannonier, uh, uh Jared Cannonier, which is a decent fight um, but not great, but, you know, Cannon is pretty powerful and strong. Um, Volkanovski Holloway free, which is just about the best fight you can make in MMA. Uh, Strickland versus Pereira. Um, obviously, I've spoke about speaking about Poetan on the podcast before. Um, that could go one, one of two very drastically different ways. Uh, Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley, which is a really interesting one. You've got Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner. Robbie Lawler versus Barbarena, Brian Barbarena, which for me is... Uh, is either going to be the fight of the year or the most depressing fight of the year as Robbie Lawler gets executed. Um, there's more. There's you know, Miller versus Sroni. There's, there's plenty to talk about. Again, won't talk about every fight on the card probably. Uh, talk about all the interesting ones, all the meaningful ones and all the ones that give us something to talk about either from a technical or narrative standpoint. But um, yeah, going to be a really, uh, hopefully an excellent card but really meaningful one uh, based on what's on the uh, on the card. On paper, the most meaningful event the UFC have put on this year or, or will put on this year. So, awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, and then after that, we've got um, RDA versus Fiziev. So, a uh, couple of quality weeks from UFC. Um, if you... Obviously, the best fight that we've had so far in MMA this year would be, in my opinion, Jury Prohaka versus Glover Texero. If you haven't heard my podcast on that, be, so, be sure to sign up to the patron. Again, if you, uh, if you skipped through to get to the boxing patreon link is www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles but as always there are other ways you can support the podcast please give this a five star uh, rating and a review on your preferred podcast platform because it will help this be more visible to others more than anything hit me up on twitter combat chr with zero in combat c zero mbat chr always appreciate the feedback on the pod and the general discussion and uh, conversations i have with all you guys all that remains to be said is hope you enjoyed this one as I say a mixed bag thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for some UFC chat
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.